0: Listening to The Big Album Show with Paul Dillon and Dan O'Neill.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Big Album Show with me, Paul. And me, Dan. Back to Black by Amy Winehouse was a musical release which came in one sense from the old musical world. By this, I mean it was released when the CD was still king and the music press and the mainstream media were still the dominant ways by which you would get your information about music. When the album was released back in October 2006, Facebook was only open for business by a matter of weeks. Uh, Twitter would soon follow and everything was about to change. So Amy was one of the last artists of the old school, signed by a major label who released music in what you might now call the traditional way. Back to Black went on to sell in massive numbers. Think about this, 16 million copies worldwide, three, point, three and a half million copies in the UK alone. One of the biggest selling albums of the 20th, first century so far. And it's not hard to understand why. It's emotional. It's intense. It's funny. It's a bit like Dan O'Neill in that sense. And Dan, what amazes me about this album, and I'm front loading my hot take here, is the fusion of sound, the mix of jazz, hip hop, this incredibly unique voice. And we just can't really categorize Amy as belonging to any particular scene, but she's a scene all to herself. And that's something that can be said for just a
0: handful of artists. A a musician that changed the face of music at that particular time, because when you think about kind of the the pop scene, I suppose, and when Amy came out with this album, it was very different. And I think, Amy paved the way for the likes of Adele, the likes of Duffy, and um, with this album. If you could compare this album um, to Frank, which is Amy's first album, there's definitely a change between the two albums. You yeah. know, we 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 see Amy Winehouse develop into the kind of Amy Winehouse that's remembered in popular culture. Um, but throughout both albums, you hear her fantastic strong kind of contralto voice and um, which is kind of a deep um soulful um, voice and you know Amy Amy was always musical so back in the back in the day before she was famous as a teenager she was involved in the National Jazz Orchestra in the UK and um, on her mother on her mother's side she had uncles who were jazz musicians on her father's side I believe her grandmother was a, a, a jazz singer. So she had all of these influences going into her head and she was listening to great jazz voices while other people were listening to, you know, E 17 and the Spice Girls. But at the same time, as you mentioned in the introduction, Amy had a a love for the likes of hip hop artists such as Naz. And then in in, in her choice of producers and so on, she picked people connected with the hip hop world. And then in her lyrics, you can hear kind of hip hop lyrics come true in her music and um, so there's so much to say about Amy Winehouse.
1: Yeah. And, you know, then people who listen to The Big Adam Show know that we have complementary skills. You're the guy who can talk about music and play music, whereas I can only really do one of those things. Um, though, of course, I can play air guitar quite well and, and quite <laughs> often. Um, but I think we should delve a bit into the music here. I mean, you touched on, on some of it there. Frank, the first record, and I'll be frank, right? I'll just put okay. it out there. I love Frank. It's a beautiful record in its own right. It it's now almost forgotten because Back to Black is so big um, that it just kind of I mean it, it defines Amy really as an artist. But but I mean Frank is great. And you know, it's a lovely listen. It's an easy listen, Frank, let's be honest. Um and there's such and such lovely performances by it. Oftentimes, you, you know, some of the promos that she did it was just her and her guitar. Oh, yeah. But musically, what seemed to happen was that something changed and um, things changed in, in, in her life. And of course, she, the the personal is so much to the fore in, in Amy as you're talking about an artist who bears her soul, really. But she pivoted to borrow that kind of corporate term massively. Somewhere between Frank and Back to Black, something changed. Now, my take comes from that interview she did with John Kelly and Other Voices around four weeks, I think, before... Um, Back to Black was released where she talks about getting into soul music in the last year or two before this album was released Mm. but what do you hear going on here because you've got the jazz, you've got the hip-hop, you've got the soul and you've got this fusion really, don't you Dan I mean that makes it this very unique Amy Winehouse sound
0: Yeah, definitely Um, her, her sound is completely unique because first of all, every note that Amy Winehouse sings Sounds like it's personal and she's an artist that isn't afraid to kind of show her vulnerability. She in her voice and in her lyrics, what you when you listen, what you get is almost a stream of consciousness, you know, and um, you get an insight right into the mind of um, of Amy Winehouse and um, she has an incredible eye for detail in 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 her music and in her lyrics, and one of the things, just as an example of her eye for detail is when she was finished recording her songs, she used to sit in the back of her dad's taxi and listen to the music because she realized that's how most people would actually hear the songs. Yeah. so rather than listen to the music in kind of fancy studio headphones, she would sit in the back of the taxi and actually listen to the music. And what I hear going on here is I think you're completely right in that she started listening to more kind of soul music. In fact, she she kind of wanted to break from the kind of jazz um, style of Frank. And she said that in the run-up to this album, she listened to many um, girl bands from the 1960s. Mm. So you're talking about people like the Shangri-Las, um, the Vandellas, you know um a lot of kind of motown music of course and music that might have been um produced by Phil Spector uh, like the Ronettes and and those kind of bands and 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 that seems to be what she was listening to and the interesting thing about this album is is although it's not kind of it's not hip hop we mentioned it as hip hop elements and one of the hip hop elements to the album isn't just the lyrics when you listen to the kind of instrumentation and the melody within the various songs on the album, it's almost like Amy Winehouse and the, the two producers have sampled music as you would in hip hop from other artists. And, and I have some examples that I might point to, but you can, you, you can literally hear other songs yeah. in the music as if they were sampled, although they were played by, by, by musicians afresh, you know, but but you you hear so much going on,
1: yeah. And and you, no no doubt about that, Alan. Just when you were when you were speaking there, it just reminded me of some of my own just favorite Amy Winehouse tunes. And my two personal favorites aren't actually on this record, but they're both covers. Um "Our Day Will Come," um, which is you, you know just sung so beautifully by Amy, but also the the old classic um, "Will You Still Love Me uh, Tomorrow." Um, which she covered just so beautifully and so effectively, and um, but you know let, let's take let's have a look at some of the some of the tunes on the album because you know she she's I mean of course Marvin Gaye our old friend uh, mm. listen back to a pod on on what's going on we delved pretty deeply into Marvin Gaye she went there didn't she Dan uh, in a big way and um, she she you know and and, and Mark Bronson, of course the producer big influence they drew on a whole back uh, catalog to make something. That was completely new and unique, and in there, there seems to be a touch of genius. Really, to take sounds that are totally recognisable that you know and say, "Oh, where did I hear that before?" Mm. But yet, make a record that sounds like nothing else.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like just to talk about, I don't. I, I think Amy Winehouse is the, the the major talent on this album. Obviously, yes, definitely, unquestionably. But you can't talk about the album without mentioning the two people who were involved in producing it also and, and writing parts of it with, with Amy. So you had one guy, uh, Salim Remy, who was also involved in an album we did in a previous episode, The Score by the Fugees. Yes. Worked with Estelle, Fergie. And he was the, he, one of the big songs on The Score he, he produced was Fuji La. Like, and he worked with Naz as well, who's another hip-hop artist that Amy Winehouse was really into. So there's the hip-hop kind of DNA. But yeah. then Mark Ronson. Really interesting character. Of course, he's become massive in the pop yeah. world. Like Mark Ronson is now a giant in his own right. Whereas yeah, he was- he's so big, he even he, he he might even come on the Big album Show himself. He's that big. Yeah, we put a call out. Go on. <laughs> but he's he's a, he's a really interesting character. Like when yeah, he was he is, a, a kid himself, he was he was um, from a musical background. He was friends with uh, John Lennon's son Sean Lennon and all this kind of interesting things. But apart from the interesting backstory. Uh, His primary contribution to the album, in his words, was that he kept Amy out of the pub, but I think he was being unfair to himself. I think his real contribution was, as well as writing songs with Amy and befriending Amy and creating a space where both of them could work together in a really good, healthy, um, creative way. Another thing he did was he moved the recording of the album to a place called Daptown Daptown Studios or Daptone Studios, I should say, in Brooklyn. And it's an analogue studio. So rather than all of the machinery being digital, it was recorded as songs would have been recorded for the Marvin Gaye albums, the Motown albums, all, all of those things. And the local house band who were resident in the studio were called the Dap Kings and they played on the album so you get this really genuine sound and and the way the way it's produced like if you listen to some of amy's vocals on the album on old recordings right when i'm not going to get too technical about this because i'm not going to bore people to death but when people kind of uh sung into mics it would kind of clip into the red and you'd kind of hear it distort the when they sung very loud on a lot of the tracks the, the 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 producers allowed that to happen with Amy's vocals so you hear this kind of uh, gentle kind of distortion overdrive on some of the loud points of Amy's um singing and so it gives it this really really authentic kind of old sound um but at the same time Amy is such an incredible or was such an incredible songwriter that she was able to kind of use this uh you know, the colours of the past in terms of uh, the, the music and the, the style, but then make it so contemporary that that, that was yeah. that's one of the reasons I love Amy Winehouse is because she didn't just do what other singers do, like, which is completely copy. You know sounds of the past she took the past it flavored what she did but she was able to take it and make it so so contemporary it was incredible
1: yeah and I think she did that so well and um, if you listen to a track which is to be honest my favorite track on the album is tears dry on their own and um, it sounds very familiar when you listen to it. And of course, it is very familiar because it's that melody um, of Ain't No Mountain, High Enough. Um, there's a load of different versions of the track out there. Um, but the version that's on Back to Black uh, is, for me, is, nothing comes near it. Terrific lyrics. And um, I mean, it's it's quite somber and really super video uh, as well uh, to accompany it. So it, it definitely is my my top track. And um, in terms of, I don't know, Dan, do you have a top track or top three tracks?
0: Yeah, I, I that's one of my top tracks as well. I love it. Um, and that that thing you mentioned of the kind of melody, the 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 opening bass line and structure of the song, it's copied from Ain't No Mountain High Enough by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. You call that here's the, here's the word of the day for people you know every day is a school day it's called interpolation i only learned it myself today so whereas sampling in hip-hop is where you takes uh, take an actual recording of something and put it into your song. Interpolation is where you take the melody and the sound. And even if you it played it, I challenge re, uh, listeners to play the two songs back to back and you'll hear how incredibly similar they are because basically they took the sample and then just played the sample from scratch in the studio. So it's almost exactly the same. And it's, it's, it, 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 once you realize that, as you pointed out, like you hear the song in a different way, but the lyrics of that song, are 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 really incredible, as are the lyrics and all, all of the songs. So, you know, uh, and, and,
1: and as are the videos for the singles as well, Dan. And I mean, you're talking about Amy here, this extraordinary singer, extraordinary songwriter, uh, but also an extraordinary performer, I think, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, she could uh, really, you know, she could hold a stage. She could. And, and in those videos, you know she can she can she can act really really well. I mean that's that you know she's she's got that skill, she's got that ability and um, that genius. Um, you know I'm like no, you know I'm no good would get my number two. And um, it starts with this terrific uh, drum track and then Amy just brings you right into the world. So it's very situational when she sings meet you dance there is in the bar and heard you rolled up sleeves in your skull t-shirt and very very strong image uh, that comes into you brings you into our world and just a really really good. Uh, track which is both upbeat and i wouldn't say positive but it's it's there's so much going on that you know depending on your mood and one of the takes that i have about this album is the more you listen to this the better it gets and the more you see going on so it's a track like uh, i'm no good there's a ton of cover versions out there Um, And then, of course, there is the original. Now, it was a single. uh, It charted at number 37 in the UK charts. So 36 uh, other songs sold more. Um, But there you go. That was 2007 when people were buying CD singles uh, in their tens of thousands. Um, I'm going to go with Back to Black as my, you know... (sighs) It's difficult. I, I, you know, we 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 try and do top three here, but I, it's hard to say. You know, these are my top top three, but I've had difficulty saying which is one and which is two and three, which is three. I mean, back to black is just another terrific track. I mean, what a video! I mean, along with, um, you, you know, it, it is one of the defining Amy tracks. Everyone knows it. Still gets huge ra- uh, radio play to this day. And the the, the video again, it's it's a funeral, uh, which is you know it's it's it, 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 there's a darkness to it but you see this extraordinary uh performance by amy in it and um, and you know that one was you know co-written and co-produced with mark ronson um, and and just you know just a terrific track uh back to black dan i mean the title track from the album the defining track maybe of the album and again an artist here bearing her soul for listeners really
0: yeah, absolutely. It's it's incredible, Paul, because tonight is one of those nights where we've picked the exact same three songs yes. as, our, as our top three. And um, just to take you back to the first one you mentioned again, I was going to say the lyrics because it goes back to something I was going to say earlier on is that you get a great example of the kind of stream of consciousness that you get on this album where you get to see into Amy Winehouse's mind. So, you know, ultimately... It's a heartbreak song, tears dry on her own. Um, and then you have the kind of the, the song um, ends with this kind of stream of consciousness narrative of Amy Winehouse wrestling with herself. So the lyrics go, even if I stopped wanting you, a perspective pushes me through. I'll be some some next man's other woman soon. I cannot play myself again. I should just be a, my own best friend, not fuck myself in the head with stupid men. And you can see her kind of wrestling with herself, and um, it's 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 incredibly open, powerful, and um, you know, it's, it's it's just all there. And then the, the the next song you mentioned, you know, I'm no good. And another great example of an Amy Winehouse track, because you can definitely see the hip hop influence here. If you listen to the kind of hip hop beat, it reminds me of um, uh, Jump Around by House of Pain almost. It, it, but but then the song is completely different from that track, obviously. Um, and the lyrics then in that song are almost cin- cinematic. Uh, you know, you have that those lyrics you mentioned um where it opens with a kind of a scene meeting someone downstairs in a bar. Um, and then that person, the 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 lover, sniffing her out like Tankeray, you know. And then there's even, um, she alludes to a movie in the lyrics, it's so cinematic. She talks about uh, you tear men down like Roger Moore, you know, a James Bond reference. And funny enough, Roger Moore uh, laughed when he heard his name being referenced in the song. He said that... Uh, he didn't know why she picked him as the reference, but it might have been because she couldn't rhyme anything with Connery, um, which <laughs> might have might, been the case. Then, <sighs> Black, Back to Black then is definitely, definitely the kind of defining Amy Winehouse song. And it's, it's the, there is, again, a kind of, borrows, it's it's highly influenced by a track by the Shangri-Las um, called Remember Walking in the Sand. Now, the songs are very different, but if you listen to that song side by side with Back to Black, you can hear similarities and writing in mojo in june and um, 2010 mark ronson gave an account of um how they came up with the song and you might indulge me and i just read that for a minute paul because i yeah. think it gives a real insight into how the album was actually written recorded etc so he um, mark ronson said this he said i'll never forget the first day i met amy because it changed everything It was in New York, March 2006, in the studio I used to have on Mercer Street. She told me she presumed I was some old guy with a beard like Rick Rubin. I just thought, let's talk about music, see what she likes. She said she liked to go out to bars and clubs and play snooker with her boyfriend and listen to the Shangri-Las. She played me some of those records, which turned into a crash course in girl group productions. She was staying at the Soho Grand around the corner. And I told her that I had nothing to play her right now. But if she let me work on something overnight, she she could come back tomorrow. So I came up with this little piano riff, which became the verse um, chords to back the black behind it. I just put a kick drum and a tambourine and tons of reverb reverb even. She came back the next day and she was really into it, ended up staying for two weeks and we fleshed out five or six songs. It started with her and her nylon string guitar and she would play me the song and I would write the chords down. Then she would leave for the night and I would go nuts with the arrangements. And I think that just is a good indication of the kind of relationship Mark Ronson and Amy Winehouse developed during the writing of this album. Like Rehab is another good example of that relationship. They were walking down the road and apparently in jest, Amy Winehouse came out with the Lions. They told me I should go to rehab. And I said no, no, no. And all of a sudden the light bulb went on and they both went off and, and worked on it together. And um, I think I, I I think Amy Winehouse is is incredible, but there's something magic about this album, the way all of the forces came together to produce one of the greatest albums, as you say, of of recent yeah. years. I think there's something magic about it.
1: De- definitely, and 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 you can imagine they could have. The sort of the, the the process and the the rela- the, the relationship that produces uh, a record like this and there's something you know there's something almost magical um, about it and you know one of the things that is magical definitely is the performance is the live performance that Amy did um a number of weeks prior to the release of back to Black um in Dingle in County Kerry where she did the other voices. Thing And she did this terrific interview with John Kelly and um, a documentary about it, you'll get it on, on YouTube. But she did a bunch of songs, Dan, uh, from the album, 20 Minutes, and she's purred back herself. There's a uh, two guitarists, there's no drummer, the, the, the drummer got delayed, bad weather, couldn't make the gig. And it's back to black, stripped back, right? And you just hear the songs at their most raw, um, their most basic almost. Um, but also, I think in my book, the most effective and that gig, twenty-two minutes long, in St James's Church in Dingle, part of the Other Voices uh, series, is just—it's just terrific. And it's actually—it's for some people, some people have gone as far as to say it's the, the the greatest gig that they've ever seen. But of course, they didn't see it; they they only hear a recording of it. There's it a very small number of people in the church. I think the Times rated it as the seventeenth greatest gig of all time. But what that gig showcases is the kind of versatility of the music that um you know it can be played in different ways in different settings and it's just an extraordinary show and the emotion is to the fore and um, and once you hear it you kind of go I want to listen to-, to that again and you know the fact that it's only 22 minutes leaves you wanting
0: more. Yeah I, I, I agree with you completely and like Amy Winehouse. You know, as although I've been ranting about the production and so on a lot in this podcast, you're you're right. When you strip back Amy Winehouse and you hear her just with uh, one or two musicians, or indeed her guitar on her own, she really shines. And again, I know it's not off this album, but there's a great video on um on YouTube of her with her Fender Stratocaster, just just her playing um the song "Stronger Than Me." And it just, you just, you just watch Amy Winehouse perform that song in such a stripped back way and uh, everything is there, you know, everything is there. And and sometimes when people talk about Amy Winehouse, they talk about all the, the stuff that went with the image at the time. But, you know, I know, I know you agree with me here, Paul, this show isn't about that. This show is about the music and there's plenty to speak about in terms of Amy Winehouse's music yeah. because she's one of the greats i have no 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 qualms about saying that amy winehouse is one of the greats and it's sad that um She's not around to produce to produce more albums. But before, b- b- before, before I, 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 I depress everyone, I also have to say this: the, the big album show wouldn't be the big album show without a reference to Bono at some point during the. Uh, we, we gotta go episode. there. We gotta go
1: there. It's it, it, it's part of what defines us. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. So so we've talked in the past about Bono's critics and Amy Winehouse was one of Bono's critics at one stage. So at the 2006 Q Awards, Bono won an award and, and the, with the band, and he got up to make a speech, um, and he was thanking um, plenty of people, I'm sure, and uh, the bell Amy piped up and said, shut up, Bono. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I've heard enough, you know. Um, so th- th- I don't know. She seemed to be a bit of a critic, but lovely of uh, uh, Bono, because in 2011, I believe, um, he just just after Amy's sad uh, departure um, Bono was playing a gig in Minneapolis. And he dedicated a version of "Stuck in a Moment" to the memory of Amy Winehouse, and um, so uh, that's the the, the, the Bono it's, story for tonight. And 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 she's she. I
1: mean, I mean, she is a kind of you might want to say an artist, 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 or muse, musicians, uh, musician. Because I mean, um, you know, people like Lady Gaga, Adele, so many other people have you know paid such incredible tributes to Amy. And Lady Gaga said in 2011 that Amy changed pop music forever and um, I remember knowing there was hope and feeling not alone because of her and um, Adele of course and um, you know thanked Amy Winehouse for paving the way and made people excited about music being fiercely hilarious and blasé about the whole thing and um, so I mean Beyonce of course and then you know all those cover versions that are out there of um, not just Back to Black but the entire Amy uh, back catalogue um, and So and of course, I mean you know just what you're really talking about here in Back to Black. Dan, as you referenced the music is this is an album and this is the take that I'm going to leave you and the listeners with. Um, It it comes before music changed forever. So it comes before uh, YouTube, Spotify, before everything changes. I was going to say before everything was wrecked, but I don't mean it like that. I mean, I mean when it was, it, it, you, you know, when music was consumed in the, the record that began, had a beginning, a middle and an end, and Back to Black makes sense. It's almost cinematic, it's almost film-like in that it has a very, very, the track listing is superb. The, the artistry of the album is superb. The use of imagery, the use of Black uh, is brilliant. And one of my hot takes is to listen to this album well and effectively, it's not necessarily for, um, to, to, it's not a headphone type album. you got to use it to fill the room, to fill the sound around you and let it consume you and it'll get better and better.
0: I, I, I think there's no better way to to finish the the podcast than, than that. I think it's a lovely, lovely sentiment. I think this is an album for listening to and in a, in a way, you know, to dedicate time to listening to it because it's certainly worthy of that in, in the way you've described. Tell me this, Paul. Have we had any comments on the old social uh, yes. about this album? Yes, indeed we have.
1: And thank you to the people. I mean, lots of love coming in for uh, Back to Black. A very nice one came in from Keith um, on Twitter. He says Supreme songwriting on display throughout. Genuinely classic 60s, but fresh production. Her voice is stunning and the stylings are both familiar and new. The songs are just sublime. Rehab, love is a losing game. Uh, me, Mr. Me, me and Miss, uh, you know, the whole album is a stone cold tragic classic um, and i think that's a very 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 good tribute from keith and thanks for that and thanks to the other people
0: who got in touch uh, with your tributes to amy much appreciated yeah and um just thanks in general to people for listening to the podcast and um, we've gotten incredible support and um a particular thanks to our, our, our loyal fans, if you can call them fans at this stage, who, who engage with us regularly on social media. We really, really appreciate that. And also to the guests that we've had on so far, um, you know, Paul Page and Rick McMurray, that meant the world to us. And we're delighted to say that we have Jake Riley from the band The Blades on our next episode. Um, so if you like the podcast, w- the, the main thing we're going to ask you to do is subscribe to the podcast and leave us a very short review or a rating and um, because this is an independent podcast. And um, everyone knows that the podcast market, for want of a better phrase, is being filled with um big companies. And that's fine. There's no nothing wrong with that and uh, necessarily. But I think it's really important that there's a space for independent podcasts out there. And um, so If you want to support our podcast and um, independent podcasts in general, um, the way to do that is by listening, subscribing, and uh, leaving short reviews because that helps us um, stay within the space um, in in, in the podcast world. So um, please do do that. Definitely. And thank you again for listening to this edition of the Back of the Big Album Show. And talk to you soon. Bye bye.
1: You're listening to The Big Album Show with Paul and Dan. Please remember to subscribe, hit like and remember to follow us on our social media platforms at The Big Album Show.